Shake it on up. Shake it on down. We're counting on down. Goodbye, 2020. It's been fun. It's been great knowing you. But welcome to Who's to Blame, the podcast. I'm your host, Dre Montez. And special thank you to our title sponsor, The Weed Squad. Go to theweedsquad.com for more information or stop by the location at 8088 Watson Road. Lots of things to be excited about. The Ugly Sweater Party went on with great success. It was outstanding. It was amazing. Thank you again to Jenny Sequa. Thank you again to Christine. Thank you again to Michael Olamy. Olinoy, thank you again to Tavon Brooks and the Choice Restaurant and the countless guests that we had on throughout the show in the evening. Burning of the Christmas tree, that was something to be seen as well as heard. And two Siberian Huskies in a lab mix was also top-notch, top-flight security for the evening. But it was a lot of fun, as well as though the website is out there, DreMontez.com, www draymontez.com it is up you can get caught up on our latest episodes of our podcast as well as our live streaming show montez at midday as well as a little bit more about me and the bio and a shop is on there as well if you want to get you some dre montez who's to blame swag as well as the link for all of the sponsors of the show so there you go it is up kids get on out and visit Share it, like it, love it, rub it on down. Oh, yeah, Dre Montez is up and running. Well, we all know there's no secret that I love sports. That's that's beyond that. And closing out 2020, it, it has me wanting to share my true passion, which is baseball. I love baseball. From a kid's perspective up to adulthood, I love everything about the game. Learning how to keep a scorecard at a young age, knowing the rules and regulations of the game at a young age. Thank you to Tower Grove Association and thank you to the Boys Club of St. Louis. I paid attention as well as the baseball bunch. But what really got me going in the game of baseball, my father, seeing the old man play, watching him put on that uniform, it, it just changed the game for me. And then he also played softball. But it was the way my father wore his uniform. He had that swag. He had that fro neatly picked out with that hat on top and it poofing out the sides in perfect angles. Just outstanding. The way he put his uh, batting gloves in his back pocket. Got his arches and his stretches on. I mean, I admired the way the old man wore his uniform. So I said to myself, when I play ball, I'm wearing my uniform like my old man. Hell, I used to always sneak and wear his uniform when I played Sandlot football or Sandlot baseball or corkball. I would put something on of my father's just to feel like I was playing ball. Well, when the opportunity finally made itself possible for me to start playing baseball, it was a lot of fun. I played baseball until I was 30 years old. I played in an adult baseball league in Hawaii as well as the state of North Carolina. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. But that game softball took over my body and soul, and mind, and heart. <laughs> It was different. So I figured, why not? You know, and also coming up in 2021, starting in April, we're going to do a softball show. It's going to be a live streaming show with guests from the softball, winning team, coaches, players, uh, umpire, maybe the tournament directors as well. Wherever these tournaments may be played at, throughout the Midwest and Southeast region. 
in prospective leagues as NSA, BSC, PSA, and U-Triple-SA. I'm going to get the focus out to those guys and go from there. And it's going to be called the Point of Softball with Brumman. I went by that name in my years of playing ball. So I'm giving back to the softball community in that sense. So it had me thinking, what better way to close the show, the season of 2020, out with a bang? Major League Baseball talk. And I know baseball has been on the minds of people do what has happened with now. The Negro League is finally a part of Major League Baseball. Should have happened. The cheating scandal, the way the pandemic was handled, the bubble restrictions, what happened with the Astros, what happened with the Red Sox. Baseball has been a little tainted in the past few years. Is it still America's pastime? Which me, it is. But the game is evolving like every other sport. It's it's going into an area, into a realm where I think it needs to go, but with the right direction, with the right guidelines and strategies and policies and procedures, it can happen. And that leads me to the Hall of Fame. I think Major League Baseball Hall of Fame doesn't get the credit that it has deserved. As we all find out now as we're getting older, the Hall of Fame is really the Hall of Compete. It's not really no hall of the true GOAT status, anyone, because everyone qualifies for the Hall of Fame now. And baseball is one of those strict Hall of Fame committees that no one can figure out the people that on the the committee that votes the players in. No one can figure that out. So why not have the discussion about Major League Baseball Hall of Fame Best non-Hall of Famers. Let's have that discussion. Some of these names you probably heard of, some you never heard of. But what made me want to attack this conversation, I was reading an article online about what's going on with baseball. Did we miss some things to bring to the forefront due to the pandemic? I mean, health and safety was the number one concern once all that started coming down the line in the world of sports. March. So I get that. But this Hall of Fame situation needs to be addressed in a way I think baseball needs to pay attention. My first position playing baseball was a catcher. Fell in love with that position. From seeing Tony Pena, Johnny Bench on a baseball bunch, and meeting and talking with former Cardinal great Daryl Porter. So that was like my position. I love playing back catcher. That was like my love from cork ball to baseball, I was getting behind the plate and I became pretty damn good at it. I don't want to pat myself on the ass, but damn it, I'm going to do it. I was pretty good, pretty good catcher. So you got a couple of catchers out there that are not in the Hall of Fame. Bill Freeman, Erwin Munster, that's a name out there for you. Here's another one you may have heard of Gene Tennis. Oh my goodness. Hip, hip, Jorge Posada. Huh? That guy's not in the Hall of Fame. Do you think any of those catchers right there deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Now, we know Thurman Munson's life was cut short. Okay. Gene Tennis, I remember his contributions to the Cardinals and the Brewers for some reason, that name and the way it was going across the airwaves to me, so to speak. I remember Gene Tennis. Hip, hip, Jorge Posada, clutch type of catcher, clutch. And you kind of get that with a lot of these Yankee ball players that of that winning formula that they put together with the Yankees when they went on that crazy-ass run of winning so many World Series and a 
in a short amount of time. This is not my list. Again, I saw this article online. I just want to share it with the people. And what better way to do it than through the podcast? D.H. Hal McRae. Now, many of you are probably thinking of Hal McRae, the manager that had the explosion blowing up at the media in the locker room for the Royals. Yes, that Hal McRae. Yeah, buddy. He could hit that thing. He could run them bases. Very smart hitter. Very smart hitter. A lot of hitters don't get the credit they deserve when it comes when it comes to their baseball IQ of that era that Hal McRae played in back in the 70s, the 80s, and a little bit of the 90s. I mean, there a lot of well, 80s and 90s for sure. A lot of people don't get enough credit for that. But Hal McRae was a hell of a hitter. DH position. First base, Rafael Palmero. Oh my goodness. Rafi could hit that pill. And he had a very, very common type swing. It's just something about a left-handed first baseman that has a swing as the way that Craig Kilborn used to say it on ESPN, as soft as church music. When you have a swing like that, as, as, as soft as the other side of the pillow, I mean, there's so many things you can say when you see Rafael Palmero swinging. And then also his defensive contributions to first base were pretty solid as well. But that's one of those Major League Baseball Hall of Famers, best non-Hall of Famer. Sweet Lou Whitaker. Oh, man. The double play tandem with the Detroit Tigers of Sweet Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell was something that a lot of kids don't remember or talk about because they did everything with the great fundamentals that you're taught. It wasn't so much flash that they had. It was the fundamentals that made it look like they had flash. You know, what a, how to position your body, where to put your hand when the ball comes in the glove, on how to position your body on a, on a quick runner down first base and a guy coming down second. Those, those little things right there, man, they worked that so smooth. They were like watching Frank Sinatra sing and maybe Savion Glover dance. They made great music to get together, and they danced well together. I mean, they were a great double play tandem up the middle. Do your homework in the 80s at the Detroit Tigers with Sweet Lou Whitaker and Mr. Allen Trammell. Dick Allen. Oh, there's a Redbird name you're going to remember right there for the ages, kids. Dick Allen, a very influential part in the move with Kurt Flood and the whole story about Major League Baseball free agency. But Dick Allen, Cardinal Great, never got a chance to see him play. But again, this is not a list that I compiled. I saw this in an article, and I just transferred the names. I want to see, what do you guys think about this? Going down the line again, oh my goodness. Now, this shortstop here had some flash. Not just the way he wore his hat, but the way he could flip that pill. Omar Vizcal. Cleveland Indian, part of that great team right there. They had some good winning formulas right there with the Cleveland Indians. But Omar Vizcal was tough. He was tough with it. He was he was quick with it when it came to making a decision up the middle. Here's a name that can be talked about for a long time. And his name is going to come up in conversation with the records of Josh Gibson, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and now you got to throw in, of course, Barry Bonds playing left field. If you just want to judge a man or an athlete,
based on what they do for their sports job and they do it well, okay. Now, if you want to judge them for the way they talk to the media, how they behave off the court, off the field, personal life, we're going to have issues. But just for the simple talent of playing baseball, Barry Bonds did it well. I know that postseason little tragedy uh, loss in his trajectory when it comes to the postseason when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but that was a different type of a, a mindset and a focal point for Barry Bonds at that time. But just the talent of the game of baseball, I've had this discussion with some of the guys at the Man Cave out on the softball circuit with my buddy Tyler down in Perryville on who is the greatest baseball player of all time. And this man, Barry Bonds' name keeps coming up. No matter what you say, his on-base percentage was impeccable. He changed the game. They would rather walk in a run with the bases loaded then pitch to Barry Bonds. Let that sink in one more time for you. If Barry Bonds came up to bat with the bases loaded, they would walk Barry Bonds. I don't care how many outs it is. They didn't want that type of pressure on the pitcher. The pitcher didn't want that ERA to skyrocket, and they didn't want Barry Bonds tattooing their ass. But that's how it was on that record-breaking season of the home run record. And for me to judge Barry Bonds, I was doing it the wrong way. I got in my feelings and got to blaming him for the way he treated the media. But that's not my issue. I can't be mad at the way guys and women handle the media when they're doing a fine damn job for the teams that they're playing for. If they're doing their job, who am I to say, hey, don't act that way? Huh? Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It's another one, Cleveland Indiana. Kenny Lofton, the way Kenny Lofton played center field and that smile, that speed, the love of the game, the smile of a kid, not like Ken Griffey Jr., but still, he had that smile of a kid having fun, getting paid money to play a child's game. And Kenny Lofton made the outfield look fun. I will never forget in 1997, they were down nine runs. The Cleveland Indians were down nine runs in the third inning. And Kenny Loft got a leadoff triple and looked at that dugout and said, get on my back and let's go. They came back and won the game in regulation time. When I saw that, I became a huge fan of Kenny Lofton and that whole mentality that the Cleveland Indians had. They should have won a couple more World Series with that team and that squad and that manager, Mr. Mike Hargrove. That was my dude. That was my dude. I love I love this whole coaching philosophy and his approach to the game of baseball. Shoeless Joe Jackson, stand up, South Carolina, stand up. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Now, the only thing I know about this man is from what we've read, what Ken Burns exposed in the movie Baseball, as well in Eight Men Out and Field of Dreams. That's all I know about Shoeless Joe Jackson. Did he do it? Did he gamble? There's no proof in the pudding. The man was consistent across the board. But it's by guilty by association, so to speak. At that time, if one person doing it, you're all doing it. Just like we fast forward to the, the Astros situation. They were all in on it. They were all in on it. With the Boston Red Sox, they were all in on it. See, things like that is just the way they treat cheating now – I don't know. I don't like the punishment that he put out for cheating. 
should have been a little bit more severe. He should have really put the hammer down, put his foot down, and act like a dad in the hood. He should have really punished the shit out of them for doing what they did to the game of baseball. But neither here nor there. Shoeless Joe Jackson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So catchers, we have Bill Freeman, Thurman Munson, Gene Tennis, Hip Hip Jorge Posada, D.H., Hal McCray, first baseman, Raphael Palmero, second baseman, Sweet Lou Whitaker, third base, Dick Allen, shortstop, Omar Vizcal, left field, Barry Bonds, center field, Kenny Lofton, right field, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Now let's get to the mound life and see what they're talking about. If they're making any kind of sense to us when it comes to pitching. Now, one of these pitchers is going to bring up some issues and topics of discussion, as always. He's out of Texas. He has an arm that they called him the Rocket Man. Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens. And again, this is the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame best non-Hall of Fame list that I found online. This great, amazing baseball article. Roger Clemens. Here's another one. Great team. There was no offensive production for him whatsoever. Johan Santana had no run support, none whatsoever. It seems like the Mets gets a pitcher like this every two to six years. They get a pitcher that's ERA is anywhere from 0.91 to 1.42, and they cannot get anybody to give them any type of a run support of more than 2.3 runs a game. That's pathetic. He's doing his job, mowing him down, but you guys can't get me hits. That has to be a frustrating conversation in the game of Major League Baseball. When your starting pitchers are doing so well, but you have a losing record because you guys can't score any damn runs. How's that conversation going in the, in the dugout and in the bullpen and in the locker room? Inquiring minds want to know. Relief pitcher. Dan Quisenberry. I believe Dan Quisenberry and I share the same birthday of October 22nd. I think that's useless trivia. Probably 9,005. At one point, at some time, I used to look through the Sports Illustrated Baseball Magazine issue and highlight all the players that shared my birthday. <laughs> Jamie Quirk and Dan Quisenberry, I do believe, are the two highest contenders out there. Also relief pitcher, Billy Wagner. And that right there is your pitchers, Roger Clemens, Johan Santana, relief pitcher, Dan Quisenberry, and Billy Wagner. Is baseball's Hall of Fame entry guidelines too strict? Do we need to lessen the load? What is this going to do now that the Negro League is now Major League Baseball? What is this going to do to past records, what they said in Cooperstown, what they have in Kansas City at the Negro Museum? What is this all going to mean for Major League Baseball, I say, by 2022? Is there going to be some asterisk somewhere? Are we removing some signs, putting up a new sign? Where are we going with this, Mr. Rob Manfred? Please. Let me know where you're at on this, because inquiring minds want to know. I still want to know what's going on with all the baseball talent that is out there that was not being utilized due to the pandemic. What does that mean? 
for these camps moving forward, these minor league ball players and these independent baseball leagues with their backup plan for these guys as well to still keep the passion going to play Major League Baseball or to play baseball to the highest level that they can get to. Still passionate about the game. You know, it's a kid's game that we cannot let go of. I love baseball, the story of baseball. You know, during a regular time, that conversation on the golf cart from the parking lot to gate two or to gate three is priceless, man. Just the knowledge that the Cardinal fan has or the baseball fan has on the way to the ballpark or conversations that I would never forget. I've had some of the best conversations ever with people about the game of baseball, not just the Cardinals, not just the teams that are in town, but the overall view of the game and the sport and the love and the passion of baseball, the nostalgia of the state of the stadiums that are gone. Do you need to have sushi uh, sold at a ballpark? Do we need all these high upgrades? Who are the new stadiums designed for? They're not designed for today's season ticket holder. I tell you that. But those type of conversations that I miss so much about the transportation on a golf cart to a Cardinal game. Those conversations will never, ever be forgotten. And I learned some things, too. I learned things that female baseball fans know their shit more than female football fans, female basketball fans. I don't know about female NASCAR fans. They, they know their shit. But the female baseball fan is very, very knowledgeable. They're not just looking at the ass of the player. They're looking at, can you hit? Can you run? Are you making a good decision when you get the ball and their runners on? Do you know what to do when the ball is hit and you're on the bases? Women put all that into the blender and come out how they really feel about a ball player. And they get deep with it. They get deep with it. I mean, looks still matter. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> but overall, that's that's one of the key things, uh, a little bitty things, uh, the little hmm moments of 2020 that I really missed not being able to, to work the Cardinal games, not being able to have that conversation, not seeing Fred Bird, not going on that crazy winning streak and all of the vendors talking to each other. All the downtown businesses are talking about the amazing homestand we just had, how crazy the crowd was. You know, after a 13-game homestand, we're ready to kill each other. On day 12, it was like that. The heat brings out the competitive nature in everybody, from the parking lot guys, the parking lot wars, the tow truck drivers, the, the, the rickshaw drivers, the golf cart drivers. It just brought out different things in you. But overall, we always spoke to each other. We have a nice conversation, and we always was looking forward to the next home game, next encounter, and next opportunity to meet a stranger whose first time in St. Louis is going to a Cardinal game and being in your company and presence and you're getting a chance to tell them some great places and venues to check out while they're here in downtown St. Louis. But that baseball team brings out conversations that even kids get onto. Because the majority of kids go to a lot of games on Sundays. You know, I call Sundays the day the grandparents go to the game and the day the little baby son of a bitches go to the game. The weather is usually a little bit nicer. The crowd is a little bit, a little tamer. Sometimes, sometimes. Now, if Monday's a holiday, yon, yon. You, you've been warned how the crowd can be. But overall, it's nothing but great, knowledgeable baseball fans that I've encountered and got to know 
over the past hell, I want to say 17 years. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. And no fan is exactly alike. Two Cardinal fans don't like the same thing about the Cardinals. They can agree. They can disagree. But in the end, they're still cheering for the Redbirds. They're still cheering for that team. And I look forward to the day that we can go back to the game in groups, in unison, on the golf cart, making all the damn noise we can so that team knows that we're right here for them, for this rally, for this win, for this W, on pursuit of possibly one another World Series. That's how I feel every time I go to a Cardinal game. I don't look at it how we're losing too many games. Ever since Jim Leland preached the theory about when to win a series and how to win a series, his winning formula, you don't have to win 81 games to get in the playoffs. No, it doesn't work that way. There's an art. There's a math to it. And Jim Leland shared that when he was the manager with the Miami Marlins. On so the way he gets the message of winning, a little simpler, a little doable, and foreseeable by his players that it didn't become like a huge obstacle. Because if you go into a meeting and you tell your guys, look, I need you to sell. We need $80,000 in advertising sold by the end of day today. What? You look at it as impossible. But if he breaks it down to his purest form, everyone would look at it like, oh, this is doable. We can, we can pull this off. And when you get managers, in baseball that can break it down to its purest form, I think the message becomes a little clearer to the person that wants to be a part of a winning tradition, a winning formula, and want to get a piece of that action, meaning a, a parade, a ticket tape parade. Because them World Series parades are off the chain. I'm speaking from experience here because them Cardinals know how to win. We know how to have a parade, don't we? <laughs> There's all sorts of things to take advantage of when baseball season is going on. But the new way we had to do things, it became a learning curve for all of us, not just the players, but the coaches to be and the media folk that bring us the game. As I got really, really involved into watching the play-by-play, the play-by-play of the Korean Baseball Association. And the games were coming on in my wheelhouse. You know, I have the worst insomnia on the man. So I'm usually up when Korean baseball was coming on. It was, but it was the conversations that the announcers were having about the game of baseball, finding out, you know, little little innuendos about players and announcers that took place during a game, after a game, during a rain delay, what happened in the stands with the fan or, or, or different situations like that. And I really enjoyed how they brought the game, still talked about baseball, the Korean game that was being played, but also the stories of baseball that they were sharing. I really, really did appreciate that. It was entertaining. And sports is entertaining. And that's why they have really tried to bring it to us in a way, so many different ways, with the zooming of the trophy shows and the draft presentations. It's been really fun that we as fans felt as though we were a part of it. So I'm waiting to see. Got my hands crossed and fingers crossed and toes crossed to see what more can Major League Baseball bring us from a visual aspect with the upcoming baseball season. But I just wanted to get on here and share with you about this article I read about non-Hall of Fame members being the best at their position that are not out there. Again, thank you to the folks that tuned in to the Ugly Sweater Party. Going to re-air that on the page really soon. And also, the website is up. Good people. www.dremontez.com It is up. 
There's a link on there for all of the sponsors. A little bio about myself, as well as a shop to buy some merchandise, some swag. I would appreciate it so much. But thank you all again. And we're going to close out the new year the right way. We're going to kick it somewhere. I don't know where. We may decorate the rooms. Make one of them Japan, one of them Australia, and one of them South Beach, Miami. We might get real creative on that one. But I don't know. I guess time will tell on this 2020. What a hell of a podcasting year we had. Hell of a video year we had. I want to thank you guys for tuning in, clicking, liking, and sharing. Happy holidays. Most importantly, happy new year. And thank you again for listening to Who's to Blame, the podcast.